Welcome to the Procurement Show. Hello and welcome to the Procurement Show, the show that tackles the topics we all need to think about and sets out to explore the more interesting bits of procurement. I'm Jonathan O'Brien. And I'm Paul Philpott and I just want to say, it ain't what you say, it's the way that you say it. This week we're talking about negotiation and how what we say and how we say it makes all the difference. The Procurement Show is brought to you by Positive Purchasing. Enabling the future of procurement in organizations around the globe. Now, you might think that negotiation is just about understanding our power, doing our homework, using good tactics, and managing our concessions, which it is, of course. It's all of those things. However, body language, together with what we say and how we say it, are both crucial components of doing negotiation really, really well. And today we're going to talk about how our ability to get behind what is said can give us a crucial advantage in a negotiation. It's all about, just like people are tuning in to this podcast, it's all about tuning in to what somebody else is saying. Body language I get, right? But what about what we say and how we say it within the role of procurement? Surely, all you need to do is be rather nice and not upset people. Yeah, well, obviously everybody in procurement is rather nice of anyway. Course, yes. So we're talking about negotiations here. Remember, suppliers have an advantage because suppliers get lots of training on NLP, body language, use of language, how to gain an advantage in a particular situation. So as a procurement person, we are negotiating Negotiating with suppliers, we need to have that same advantage. Now, a lot of what we say, how we say it, is very relevant in negotiation. And the other side is going to be scrutinizing all of our words. The problem, however, and this goes back to some research done by a guy called Albert Meriban in the 70s, is around out of how we communicate, only 7% is the words, about 38% comes from what we say and how we say it so this is a big thing so we've got to get this right and many people have no idea that they're perhaps giving away a position just by what they say how they say it or indeed they are missing the opportunity to be able to pick up on what the other party might be saying. Are you saying we could be under the microscope and they're just waiting for you to drop your guard? Absolutely. Now, this is a thing called the hidden meaning. So the person that did all the research in this was somebody called Noam Komsky back in 1975. There's a book called Reflection on Language. And it suggests that behind what we say, there's a lot of hidden meaning. We just have to tune into it. Now, we both come from radio. We do. And I kind of understand how to use inflections. Inflections. In fact, talking of inflections, one of the funniest bits I've ever seen. Have you ever watched the film Anchorman? Yes. Where they put the question mark at the end of a sentence? Yeah, when the sentence goes up. That's it. And they put the inflection at the end of the sentence. Like everything's asking a question. Exactly. And I use, I don't know, I suppose it's postural echo or vocal echo probably goes back to I did a bit of sales in radio but mainly when you interview somebody Mm. you put them at rest by kind of echoing their mannerisms if they talk fast you talk fast or indeed if you want to slow them down you can start fast and bring them along with you at the same sort of speed all that kind of stuff are these techniques techniques that we should be using or at least considering when you're doing negotiation in this context definitely we call this power language so this is how we're saying it so this is our tone of voice our speed of delivery it's the inflections that we use Uh if we want to ask a question it's those sorts of things so it's all of those things and we can tune into that or we can create meaning. So 
mirroring them. You call this? I called it echo. Echo. Okay, I think echo. that's like a sales world term. I call it mirroring. We're mirroring their power language. So if I get really angry with you, and I said, Paul, you're a lousy presenter. No, I'm not allowed to. You are a lousy presenter. You're worse than I am. No, you're awful. You're a lousy presenter. Those terrible jokes you keep on telling time and time again. You need to get yourself some more content. That's the last time I tell you a joke. Okay. So you see what happened there. So we mirrored each other, and that's often how people get into arguments because somebody starts getting a little bit assertive. Yeah. The other person follows. We do naturally mirror. And equally, if I start getting all close and slow, I've slept my coffee. It's having all sorts of an effect. Yes. But mirroring is where we actually match our pace of delivery to them Mm -hmm. and we match the sort of tonal qualities of their voice to them and that creates a subconscious connection that says hey we're together on this Uh and it builds trust and it makes you naturally like the other person so salespeople are taught to do that to us and we need to do that back to them right because we want to do the same thing and build rapport so we mirror the way that they're using language. We don't overstate it or make it too obvious, but we're mirroring what they're doing to connect with them. That's Mm -hmm. the first thing that we should do. Let me give you a couple of examples on this because this is also about how we can say things. Because if I said something like, I understand you want more than this, but I cannot do it. So everything in my voice there said I'm quite desperate. You know, you really pushed me too hard. Good to say that because that creates a position. If I say the same words, but I say them differently, I understand you want more here, but I cannot do it. Did you believe me the second time? Yeah, and I actually feel sorry for you. Do you? Yeah. Okay. So how we say it can make a difference. And sometimes we can say things in a way that isn't convincing. So if I say something like, I need this for... 450k. Yeah, that just sounds like you've thought that figure out. Right. Not convincing, you know. I need you to do this deal for 450k. That sounds though you've been given a target and you want to get me on board. Right. More convincing. Mm. Subtle shift in inflection than the once we did that. Let me give you another example. Have um <laughs> what? Let's, let's talk about your mother-in-law. Yes. You love your mother-in-law, right? Yeah. Okay. She doesn't listen to this, does she? No. No. Good. No. Okay, so just imagine that your mother-in-law is going to come and stay yeah. for the weekend. Oh, that's nice. You tensed up when I said that. Well, anybody comes stay for the weekend. I'm never a fan. So uh, what I want you to do is to talk about the fact that your mother-in-law is coming for the weekend. You're going to say really positive words, really enthusiastic words, but you've got to say it in a downhearted, negative way of saying it. Well, you say to me, so-and-so, mother-in-law, whatever, is going to stay the weekend. Oh, great. <laughs> Just try and do a little more than, oh, what? great. Just tell me about the weekend oh, you're going to spend with her. I'm so excited. Mm. Uh, why don't we go for a drive? Yeah, you can do better than that. You want me to sound excited? No, I want you to... Because I, I, <laughs> I just can't. No, I know. But just for the sake of the podcast, yes. just give it a go. So you're going to tell me a few sentences about how happy you are about your mother-in-law oh, and what you're going to do, but you're going to say it in a really negative way. Try I'm it. really happy about that, and I'm really looking forward to the weekend together. Mm, keep going. As we're going to go and have a picnic, and I'm going to go and buy an ice cream, and we might go and enjoy the sunny southwest This together is really painful for you, isn't as it? As a family.
Does that sound desperate enough? Yes. But what the point was with that, yeah. I've forgotten why we're here, <laughs> was actually it's about how we say things. Well, yeah, because everything I said wasn't yeah. negative. Right. You know, I could say, oh, great. Yeah. I tell you what, we'll go and check out that new ice cream store. But I just can't bring myself to say it like that. So we've got to tune into that stuff. When we're listening to the other side, we've got to tune into their inflections and how they're saying things. Because often people will do that without realising it. Because uh-huh. in that situation, if there's really something you don't like, and of course you love your mother-in-law, then you can't help but give that away in the way you say things. So we've got to tune in to what other people do. Because in a negotiation, there could be vital clues there. The Procurement Show. Exploring the more interesting bits about procurement. And now, the procurement fun fact. This edition's exciting tale of preposterous procurement, bizarre buying, or simply saucy sourcing. It is estimated that the total value of goods and services procured worldwide is around $40 trillion each year, with $13 trillion being public sector procurement. The Procurement Fun Fact. Contact us by email. Hello at theprocurementshow.com. Send us a tweet at Procurement Show or connect with us on LinkedIn. Search for The Procurement Show. So isn't this, after all, kind of like a negotiation, but within the home? Yeah, I mean, we're doing negotiations every day. Remember that negotiation is a skill for life. So it's not just something we go on a business course Mm -hmm. to do. Negotiation is part of our lives. So these are the same skills. We just use them in a procurement context. Okay, so we've spoken about how we say things. What about the actual dialogue, the words that we actually use? Yeah, let's think about this. So the words we use are really important. This is what we call meta-language. So this is things like how we embellish words. This is things like how we emphasize words. It's where there's deeper meanings, hidden meanings. We distort something. So there's lots there. And it's worth sort of taking some time to look at some of those. Let's start with embellishments. And this is where our subconscious, without conscious thought, adds words into sentences to try and de-emphasize the thing it doesn't want other people to know. Mm -hmm. Right. So we do this when we're hiding things. So small children may say, if you say, why were you in the kitchen? They may come out and what would they say? So there's a big plate full of cakes in the kitchen. Yes. You say to the child, why were you in the kitchen? What might they say back? Oh, I just came in to find my lost toy. Right. The lie. I just... I just, just came, in. came in. Yeah. To give whatever they said less right. um, purpose, less emphasis. Exactly. So subconsciously, we add words in. So the child has added the word just in yes. to de-emphasize the lie. You know, it's just coming in to check my toy. The lie is because, they, you know, they've got chocolate around their mouth. They've yeah. eaten one of the cakes. The lie is about checking the toy. So to de-emphasize and take our attention away, the subconscious will add the word just in. Nobody will notice. Of course. And that's yeah. what they've done. Yeah. Let me give you another example one more closer to home for you to be honest doctor i tend to only have one glass of wine every day well yeah exactly to be honest to be honest so the sentence is doctor i only have one glass of wine a day yes but you hear people say that to be honest so the addition of those words at the start of a sentence completely unnecessary but for some reason the subconscious has added them in because of course it's a lie yeah you're prefixing it to kind of set the tone and make them think that you're not lying i've got you i think i do that all the time so that's embellishments to be honest i don't think you do so the second thing to think about here is how we emphasize things or how Mm -hmm. other people emphasize things and how things are actually said so let me give you some examples here i'm going to give you some statements right 
that might come up in a negotiation. And mm-hmm. I want you to listen and tell me what I'm really saying okay. behind the words I use. Okay, okay, so here's the first one. Yeah. Ready? Mm-hmm. Well, in order to reduce my price further, you would need to give me a larger volume commitment here. There's still room to get your price lower. Right. Yeah. So I'm not saying, yeah, I can give you some more. You're polishing it up a bit, but there's plenty of room for negotiation there. Give me a larger volume commitment. But I've said in there, in order to reduce my price, you know, you've got to do this. Mm -hmm. I've told you there's more room to get the price lower. Okay. Okay, Let's try another one. Okay. I believe that my boss will approve this if it was 80% of what you're proposing. You're ready to go ahead. You're ready to sign on the dotted line, make the deal, but you kind of want a bit more. Yeah, exactly Mm. right. So again, hidden meaning. Mm -hmm. Let's do one more. I'll make sure this is handled by our best people. (laughs) I say that. What do you mean when you say it? I really don't know. Exactly. So you have no idea who's going to do it. Obviously, I mean that all my people are my best people. Obviously. But you kind of like you throw it in anyway. So I recently had an experience whereby I had to intervene with a criminal. Tell me, this is exciting. All right, this person was basically going up and down our road, kicking in car mirrors, including Mm. the mirror on my very own car. Yeah. So I decided to apprehend them and I kind of, you know, put them into a hole. Hang on, you apprehended them? I apprehended them. How did you do that? Well, I did a few like judo moves, that kind of thing. So you did some jujitsu stuff? Jujitsu, Joe Jackson, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Got all his albums. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and kind of apprehended the criminal but when the police officer came round to talk to me and yeah. say what happened you kind of forget half of it as yeah. though you didn't take everything in after all is that something that you could use with regards to negotiation well it is and what you've kind of highlighted there is how the human brain works and when we're negotiating with somebody what they're going to do so in our head it's really clear mm-hmm. because you were there and you were there that's yeah. impressive stuff by the way you were there you apprehended the perpetrator and so in your head it's really clear but in communicating it you're going to delete stuff because that's what we do there's going to be things that you distort because you'll see it based on how you see the world in your head and when you're communicating that to somebody else they'll relate it to how they see the world in their head Uh uh-huh and also generalizations because you'll simple stuff down you you make it simple so we delete we distort we make generalizations so the police will kind of say okay so explain what happened and explain the bad thing so you might say something like i saw the burglar run up the road he had a big bag full of stolen things you know that might be the sort of thing and the police are trained to say okay how do you know it was the burglar How do you know it was a he? Which way is up? How do you know the bag contains stuff? So this is about asking questions. So in a negotiation, when a supplier is laying out their position and they're communicating stuff with us, we need to use what we call clarifying questions to be able to get behind what they're saying and understand the hidden meaning. So let me give you some examples here. So the other party says they only give us a limited budget. What question might you ask? So what budget is that? Yeah, you might ask that. Who is they? Oh. Why are they not in the room? Yeah, that's a good point. So yes. you, again, you don't take the yeah. things they tell you on face value. Let's try another one. It's unreasonable to ask that of us. Ask what of you? Who's us? Who's us? And says who? Why would it be unreasonable? Okay. And why? Yeah, absolutely. Challenge the question. Uh-huh. Challenge the statement. How about the market is changing? I would say in what way? Right. Absolutely. Don't take it on face value. Yeah. How is it changing? How much? How does that affect us? Your company is difficult to deal with. Are we? (laughs) In what way are we difficult to deal with? You challenge the question. What issues are you having there? How can we rectify this and build on our relationship? Yeah. So you challenge what they're saying. How about this one? You're making me feel uncomfortable. 
Oh, that's well, the question. Very, oh, sorry, you were just saying that. Well, I'm sorry, but in what way am I making you feel uncomfortable? Right. How about I never haggle in a negotiation? Well, then you're not very good, are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. How about the salesperson says, I have to close on this this month? Yeah, I don't know what I'd say because that's one of those false deadline type things, isn't it? Yeah. You know what they're trying to do to you. Yeah. Or what? Yeah. Call oh, their yeah. bluff. What would happen if you, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Where else are you going to get the product? Or who else is going to supply you? I can't agree to that. Why can't you agree to that? Right. So when we get these things in a negotiation, we need to challenge. We need to ask a clarifying question. What we should never do is take this stuff on face value. Yeah. But we should always challenge. There's no harm in challenging, even if it makes them feel uncomfortable we should challenge and ask them why. Because the most they could do is just say, well, I'm not going to tell you that. In which case, why are you negotiating? I suppose there's a difference between making somebody feel uncomfortable and being aggressive towards them. You're not talking about being aggressive, are you? No, not at all. You're just asking questions. So think about people you've met and they just ask a lot of questions to get behind stuff. And you think, well, you ask a lot of questions. And that's because they're getting behind stuff. And it can make us feel a bit uncomfortable, but it also makes us have to be able to be completely upfront about what we're saying here. It's time to Ask Jonathan. And the Ask Jonathan questions have come in thick and thin. Some more <laughs> thicker than others, mind you. This one certainly isn't one because it's come from somebody who follows us on LinkedIn. And it's from Courtney Rosenfeld, who says, Jonathan... Mm-hmm. I have been negotiating for many years now and I'd like to think I do okay and continually try to improve my skills. What quality do you think is the most helpful for a negotiator? Great question. We never stop learning to negotiate. And one of the things I see in procurement negotiations is this tendency to try and be the big negotiator and try and be able to be hard in a negotiation. But I think actually one of the most powerful skills is to not try to be the tough negotiator but to rather try and have a genuine quality that builds on who you are not pretending to be somebody I think that's more powerful because you can still be firm and you can still be tough but you create this sense of fairness and you create this illusion sometimes it may even be genuine that you really want to win-win and that you're really working to a good place and you care about the other's outcome as well even if you don't. Remember, win-win may be an illusion that we are laying out there that we actually want a big win, little win. But don't try and be tough, be genuine. Try and create this sense of fairness because that's more likely to get you results and more likely to get you better engagement with the other party. And of course, as we've learned today, a lot of that is to do with how we build rapport. Marvellous. Be yourself. Be yourself. I like that. If you've got a question to ask Jonathan, then here's what you need to do. Ask Jonathan. Email your question to jonathan at theprocurementshow.com. You might be part of the next show. The Procurement Show. The latest thinking, the greatest insights. It does make you kind of feel as though occasionally you just want to use the word no, which I think is probably a bit of a harsh word in many situations. What about that word no? Can you use it in certain ways? Should we say no or should we say maybe? It's such a short word, but very rarely used. Yeah, and we should use no sparingly. So no means no. It's like closing a door. No, I can't do that with you. It's actually better to leave the door open to say something like, actually, um, that's not a place we can go to or even create some doubt. I don't think that's a place we can go uh -huh. to. So use no sparingly. It's very difficult to come back from no. It does have its place, 
when you want to give a very strong message that says, no, I cannot do that with you. That is not a place we can go to on that deal. But you have to be careful. What do you think? We're talking about words now. What do you think is the most beautiful word in the world that you should always use in a negotiation? Gorgeous. And it's not that, no. <laughs> Brilliant, fantastic. No, none of those. Excellent. No. Oh, thank you. No, I don't know. The most beautiful word in the world, this would change your life. The most beautiful word... Actually, I'm going to come back and tell you that in a minute. Oh, no, you can't do that. You've got to tell us now. No, let's finish the podcast and I'll come back. Okay. Most beautiful word in the world. Okay. All right, hold that thought. Let's talk about open and closed questions, because we're talking about questions. They're quite relevant too. closed questions, questions where there's a yes, no answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So be careful of closed questions. If you asked a question like, is that your final offer? What would you say? Yes. Yes. You're not going to say no. No. You're not going to say, no, it isn't. Actually, I just thought I'd try it on to see if you'd go for it or not. You're not yeah. going to say. So no. don't ask that question. Is that your final offer? But you can use a closed question that talks about, that perhaps uses that in a slightly different way. It gives an ultimatum. Okay, mm-hmm. so if I give you an additional 10%, will you agree today? Yes or no? Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. And open questions, very good. Very good in negotiation. How can you improve your offer? Tell me what's stopping you being able to do this deal. Talk to me about the things that are causing you to hold back on this. Open questions, get them talking. If they're talking, you're not talking, you're listening, you're buying time to think, and you're getting your position formed. And this is still very conversational language, isn't it? This is still part of the fun. What about leading questions? Yeah, give me an example. Go on. If I say something like... Surely you'd like to meet me in the middle with this. Am I right? Yeah, so that's a leading question. So, And great to use in negotiation where you're trying to lead them to a particular course of action. Be careful when people do that to you. Because leading questions, and indeed there are many questions that suppliers can use to help get them to where they want to get to. I feel some examples coming on. Yeah, how about this one? Is there any room for improvement here? That's a classic negotiation question. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there any room for improvement here? You're forced to answer that question. What would you do? I don't know. You're stuck in a cul-de-sac, aren't you? You, yeah. you either say no and possibly risk losing the deal, or you say yes and then revealing that there was room for improvement all right. along. So it's designed as a closed question to force you to jump one way or the other, yes or no. Mm-hmm. And if you say no, of course, you know, that could stall things out. And if you say yes, you just admitted that you're going to give them something back. So is there any room for improvement here? So what you could do is you could answer the question with a question. You could say something like, do you really think there could be room for improvement here? We've just spent an hour talking this through and I've been really clear about our position. That's quite evil because that almost casts doubt on the other party's common sense. Right. Yeah. And that makes them look like they're upsetting you along the way as well. How about we duck the question? So they say, is there any room for improvement here? And then you say, no, I'm not going to get into that sort of street trader exchange Mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. You just avoid answering it. Question the question. Why are you asking that? Why would you even ask that? You know, you call it out as if they're somehow being outrageous. And you're kind of, you're making yourself feel as though you've been inconvenienced. Yeah. Or you're not being fair to me. I've told you the truth. Why are you asking me this right. now? And you could defer the question. Five minutes before we're about to sign the deal. Yeah. <laughs> Just like we've deferred the most beautiful word in the world. Okay. You could defer the question and say, okay, well, let's come back to that once we've discussed everything else. You put it to one side. So when somebody asks a closed question in a negotiation, you don't have to say yes or no. There are other things you can do to kind of deflect and duck it or question it that just 
gets you out of that situation. Do you not risk getting into a situation where you answer questions with questions and then you just go around and around in circles? Why would we do that? I really don't know. Why should... <laughs> no, you just do it. To... No, come on, right. Are there any things in particular you should not do yeah. in a negotiation? Things you should definitely not say? So try and avoid being threatening because when you threaten people, that means that you are feeling anxious uh-huh. and because people make threats when they're afraid. Okay? Yes, so fair you, enough, yes. If, if you're afraid, then you're not in control and actually you're giving the other side an advantage so never make threats never do personal insults you've got Mm. to listen if you interrupt too much you're not listening avoid sarcasm again it's a sign that you are lacking confidence Mm -hmm. in some way because you're using sarcasm never swear because you know people who are confident and in control never need to swear Mm -hmm. and don't react to provocation and don't try and blame the other party so there's lots of things that we need to avoid in terms of how we use language. Okay. Three takeaways. I like this idea of takeaways. I mentioned it in the last podcast, but three things that we can think of. And please, can one of those things be this most beautiful word that's so beautiful? I hadn't forgotten about it. Okay. So the three things. So first, listen intensely. Listen to what they're saying, but tune in to what the hidden meaning is by Mm -hmm. the way they're saying it and their choice of words as well. And we're all experts in this. We all do this, but we probably don't pick up on it. And this is where somebody says something and something in the back of your head says, "Mm, there's just something else in that. So tune in, listen. The second is think, you know, what are they really saying here? Think about that hidden meaning. And the third bit is think carefully about your own use of language. So I catch myself often saying, I was just doing this. And I think I just said, I put just in the sentence, you know, what am I trying to hide? Think about your own use of language. Great to record a negotiation and see yourself in action and hear yourself in action because there's probably a whole bunch of things you say that you don't realise you're saying. Okay. And the most beautiful Come on, thing no, in the world... I'm just trying to get to this this word, this elusive word. The most beautiful word in the world yes. that we should all use when we're negotiating and in life yes. is... Yes. Jonathan. Oh, grief. Use their name... Oh, right. No. (laughs) Right. Okay. Sorry. I actually understand what you mean now. Paul, you're not getting this. Yeah. Okay. Because when I say Paul Mm. and we're talking, then I'm connecting to you because if I'm addressing you personally, Paul. Yes. Then that's making you feel just a little bit loved. And we all like to be loved. And so when people use their names, Paul. Yes, Jonathan. And don't overdo it. No. But it actually creates this kind of connection between us. I've and got it you. makes it very, very personal. And especially in a negotiation, if you think people aren't quite with you, the moment you say their name, Paul, they're right back there again. Yeah. So it's really good to use people's names and use that when we're negotiating because it creates that rapport with them. So really good technique. Mm, I like that. I'm pleased you actually provide a clarification there because later on I've got to renegotiate our phone contracts. <laughs> <laughs> and I was at risk of calling whoever answered to deal with my inquiry, Jonathan. Just mention Jonathan Just when mention you're doing Jonathan, that. Just mention Jonathan, yes. You'll get the best deal. Yeah, fantastic. So you've been listening to The Procurement Show. If you want to send in some questions, comments, and of course, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Here's more details of how to get in touch. You've been listening to The Procurement Show. Contact us by email, hello at theprocurementshow.com. Connect with us on LinkedIn, search for The Procurement Show and on Twitter at Procurement Show. Visit us at theprocurementshow.com.
The Procurement Show is brought to you by Positive Purchasing, enabling the future of procurement in organizations around the globe. Copyright Positive Purchasing, all rights reserved. Produced by Fresh Air Studios.